BLM and Antifa break into violence at the Million Mega March while Joe Biden continues to hide in the basement. Donald Trump's lawyer claims that Trump won the election by hundreds of thousands of votes. And Democrats call to respect the science on COVID while ignoring the science. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't like the government spying on you? Well, then visit expressvpn.com slash Ben to stay Anonymous. We'll get to all the news. It was a busy weekend in the news. We'll get to that in just one second. First, why exactly would you wait until Black Friday to get an amazing deal, especially one that could save you money on an ongoing basis? I'm talking about looking at your cell phone bill. You realize you're paying way too much for that thing, right? I mean, you're paying like hundreds of dollars too much a year. Instead, you should go check out Pure Talk USA. Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company, think AT&T, but much better. They understand what it means to serve Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. If you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Listen, this is all you need. Unlimited talk, text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. If you go over on data usage, they're not going to charge you for it. Exactly why would you be spending too much money for unlimited data that you are not using? Switching to Pure Talk, it's really, really easy. You can keep your phone and your number, or you can get great deals on the latest iPhones and Android as well. Grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Go save a bunch of money right now at Pure Talk. USA dial pound 250, say my name, Ben Shapiro, and you save 50% off your first month. Plus, you're going to save a bunch of money overall because Pure Talk is a lot less expensive than its competitors with the same exact coverage. Go check them out right now. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro to get started. Okay, so over the weekend, President Trump maintained his stance that Joe Biden won only because the election was rigged. The media, of course, jumped on the first couple of words of President Trump's tweet here to suggest that, that Trump was acknowledging that Biden won. That's not obviously what Trump is doing here. Uh, Trump tweeted out he won because the election was rigged. No vote watchers or observers allowed. Vote tabulated by a radical left privately owned company, Dominion, with a bad reputation and bum equipment that couldn't even qualify for Texas, which I won by a lot. The fake and silent media and more. Okay, so there are a lot of allegations in this particular tweet. There's a legal process for the allegations to play out. And guess what? It is all going to play out. It will. Either the evidence will be shown or the evidence will not be shown. Trump is making outsized claims there. Those outsized claims are going to have to be actually proved in court in order for there to be any outcome different than Joe Biden being selected by the Electoral College. Well, President Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, she made waves over the weekend because she appeared on Fox News and she suggested that there is evidence that is coming via a fire hose, she said. And she slammed Dominion Voting Systems. Dominion Voting Systems is, of course, the, of course, the software that is used to tabulate votes around the country in 28 different states, including at least one county where votes were accidentally switched. Dominion said that it was by user error, that it was human error. Now, the suggestion from Team Trump is that it's a systemic error inside the Dominion software system that makes it vulnerable to hack and votes were actually changed. Uh, you're going to need some pretty heavy evidence for that because the Kerry campaign back in 2004 suggested the same sort of thing happened with the Diebold machines. That turned out to be a bunch of nonsense. If you're going to make heavy allegations, you require heavy evidence. The heavier the allegations, the heavier the evidence. And Sidney Powell suggests she does have the evidence, which means that presumably she should bring it forth. We're going to find out whether this is true or whether it is not true in the next few coming days. But you do require evidence when you make severe allegations on their own are not enough to actually provide the evidentiary basis to overturn what appear to be election results. Anyway, here is Sidney Powell, the lawyer for President Trump, laying this out. And again, if she's right, then not only do we have probably the biggest scandal in, in American history on our hands, but we also have an overturned election. Here is Sidney Powell laying forth some allegations that are pretty steep. We have sworn witness testimony 
of why the software was designed. It was designed to rig elections. He was fully briefed on it. He saw it happen in other countries. It was exported internationally for profit by the people that are behind Smartmatic and Dominion. They did this on purpose. It was calculated. They've done it before. We have evidence from 2016 in California. We have so much evidence. I feel like it's coming in through a fire hose. Okay, she went on to slam Dominion. Uh, she suggested that, that, that Dominion as a company uh, was had systemic corruption issues. Rudy Giuliani, who's another one of the president's lawyers, he said the same thing. He said that Dominion is a radical left company while appearing on Maria Bartiromo. Dominion is, is, of course, the software, as I say, that is used to tabulate the votes. Now, we'll get to the counterclaims in just one second. I don't think people have any idea of the dimension of the national security problem that Dominion creates. This Dominion company is a radical left company. One of the people there is a big supporter of Antifa and has written horrible things about the president for the last three or four years. And the software that they use is done by a company called Smartmatic. It's a company that was founded by Chavez <laughs> and by Chavez's uh, two, two allies who still own, own it. It's been used to cheat in elections in South America. Okay, so Dominion, for its part, denies that it's owned in any way uh, or controlled in any way by the Venezuelan government. There have been similar claims that have been made about a couple of different software systems, one that was characterized as scorecard and another one that was characterized as hammer. Hammer would have been an intelligence supercomputer and the accompanying software scorecard. Sidney Powell did posit that there were manipulations of the vote using these particular instruments just about a week ago. That was denied by a variety of government agencies, including the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. The agency director, Chris Krebs, called that theory nonsense as well as a hoax. Uh, as far as Dominion voting systems switching votes, the allegation by people in the Trump team is that there is a is, is that Dominion has software glitches that changed vote tallies in Michigan and Georgia. Dominion says that it was user mistakes and they were human errors and they were all auditable. Dominion's website says that all of these are auditable. You can go back, you can retabulate all the votes because all the votes are still available. Edward Perez is an election technology expert at the OSET Institute, a nonprofit that studies voting infrastructure and said many of the claims being asserted about Dominion and questionable voting technology is misinformation at best. In many cases, outright disinformation. I'm not aware of any evidence or specific things or defects in Dominion software that would lead one to believe that votes had been recorded or, count, or counted incorrectly. However, there, there was a lot of talk over the weekend about the fact that, for example, Texas, which Trump did reference in his tweet, had turned down Dominion softwares because Dominion supposedly had hacker vulnerability uh, and and was capable of being opened up to the outside, that it had voting jam issues where, where you'd put in paper ballots, it would jam, and then you had to break the seal in order to retabulate the ballots. Once you've broken the seal, then you can mess around with the voting machine, theoretically. Okay, the The Republican officials in a variety of states, including Georgia, have said this really is not a problem. With that said, this is all audible. This should all be detectable. Once you get to the point where there is an allegation, as Sidney Powell was making, that you basically have digital systems that can be manually altered, basically, that you can hack in and you can just change with a couple of keystrokes the, the vote totals and that there's no way to check it, now you've reached the range of unfalsifiability. So if you're going to reach that range, right, to the point where you can't audit it, there's no way to back check. There is no way to determine whether voter fraud has occurred. There's no way to determine whether the voting inputs are the same as the voting outputs. Well, now you've reached the realm of the religious. So in order to demonstrate that that happened, you actually do have to prove it. Because right? otherwise, that could be alleged about literally any election ever. And now, meanwhile, it is important to note that while President Trump in his tweet 
suggested that there had been this this wave of election situations in which observers were not allowed, Republican observers were not allowed in the room to tabulate the ballots or to watch the tabulation of the ballots. His legal team in Pennsylvania has dumped that claim. So according to the Associated Press, ahead of a Tuesday hearing in the case, Trump's campaign dropped an allegation that hundreds of thousands of mail-in and absentee ballots, 682,479, were illegally processed without its representatives watching. The campaign's slimmed down lawsuit filed in federal court on Sunday maintains the aim of blocking Pennsylvania for certifying victory for Biden in the state. It maintains the claim that Democratic voters were treated more favorably than Republican voters. And there are serious allegations and affidavits filed to the effect that Republican poll watchers were treated with disdain, that they were not allowed to to pursue their vote watching in quite the same way as Democrats. But there was an allegation that hundreds of thousands of votes have been tabulated without a Republican observer in the room. Apparently, that allegation has now been dumped. The lawsuit charges that Democratic heavy counties violated the law by identifying mail-in ballots before Election Day that had defects, such as lacking an inner secrecy envelope, these are called naked ballots, or lacking a voter's signature on the outside envelope so the voter could fix it and ensure that their vote would count. This is called curing. The lawsuit says that Republican heavy counties followed the law, did not provide a notice and cure process, disenfranchising many. Uh, But the idea is that Democrats went ahead and just cured all of these ballots. Cliff Levine said it isn't clear how many voters were given a chance to cure their ballots, but he said it is certainly not 70,000, which is the margin that currently separates Biden and Trump in the raw vote count. Now, remember, again, you can show voter irregularities, but unless you actually show that it overcomes the gap in a particular state, that state's result is not going to be overturned. So Republican lawyers have now acknowledged in separate federal court proceeding they had certified observers watching mail-in ballots being processed in Philadelphia. A couple things that they need to be mentioned here. Trump did actually outperform in a couple of cities. Okay, he actually did outperform in a couple of cities, Detroit and Philadelphia. Right, so if all the voter fraud was happening in Detroit and Philadelphia, what you would assume is that those would be places where he actually underperformed vis-a-vis Hillary Clinton last time around. But in fact, he actually overperformed in Detroit and Philadelphia. In a bunch of other cities, he underperformed. He also underperformed in a lot of the suburbs. Okay, but here is the point. Again, for the 1,000th time, all of this is going to play out. It is. So the panic is outsized, right? People on the left suggesting that this is the end of the republic. It's not the end of the republic. If Sidney Powell makes allegations and the allegations happen not to be true, or they remain unproved, then the process goes ahead. And if she has evidence of those allegations, well, then certainly we should be looking at that. I mean, if it turns out that she is, that she actually has the evidence she suggests that she has, right? She's Michael Flynn's lawyer, and uh, she did a good job for Michael Flynn. If it turns out that she has reams and reams of evidence demonstrating that Dominion voting systems actually had their ballots change, right? Or that there is there's there are millions or hundreds of thousands of outstanding ballots that were changed or hacked or, or something like that. Again. Outsized evidence needs to be provided of allegations that are serious enough to shift the outcome of a presidential election, especially when the vote gaps in many of these states are rather large, right? You're looking at Pennsylvania, a vote gap currently of 70,000 votes. In Michigan, you're looking at a vote gap of 150,000 votes. In Arizona, you're looking at 13,000 votes. In Georgia, you're looking at 14,000 votes. Nothing is going to happen via recount. Recount is not the avenue by which Trump overturns those election results. That's not what's going to change things here. What could change things here is evidence, 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 evidence. I demand evidence on every claim. You should demand evidence on every claim too, right? Evidence is necessary. Just as I declare when it comes to arguments of systemic police racism, you have to provide evidence in an individual case of racism. You can't just say racism is in the system. When it comes to voter fraud and voter irregularity, it's not enough just to say voter fraud and voter irregularity is sort of out there in the system. You need specific allegations that are backed by specific evidence so that we can all be on the same page. Because there's been a lot of talk about how people on the right want to make sure that the elections are secure. Okay, well, what happens if the election were to be theoretically overturned on the basis of allegations that are provided in non-evidentiary fashion, right? That's no good either. You need evidence 
on all of these things. I assume that Sidney Powell, being I, I presume a serious person, is going to now bring a bunch of evidence to support the allegations that she makes that shift the election dramatically. If that happens, look out. So we'll bring you more on this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that your sleep quality may have been compromised. I don't know, since like March, given the fact that the entire world seems to have caved in about your ears. Well, this is why you need a mattress that is made just for you. For me, sleep does not come easy. I have a bunch of kids, three under the age of seven. They wake me up at all hours. So when I'm on that mattress, I had better be sleeping. This is why Helix Sleep is great. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or from bed, with Helix, there's no more confusion, no more compromising. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. CNN called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. Just go to helixsleep.com Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but indeed, you will. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 200 bucks off at helixsleep.com Ben. Again, that is helixsleep.com Ben to get a mattress that is made just for you. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. Okay, so given the fact that there are these outstanding allegations, and again, these are pretty significant allegations, and you need to back them with significant evidence. And we have a process that's going to play out. In fact, Sidney Powell was specifically asked, do you have enough time before the election is certified to get all of the evidence out? And she said, it's coming in via fire hose. We'll get all the evidence. Okay, so good. Great. Okay, right. That's how the process should work. You make an allegation, and now you provide the evidence. And I think that it is worthwhile pointing out what information we have right now, because there's some rumors that are going around that are true and some that are not true, right? I mean, we know, for example, that in Antrim County, Michigan, we know that there was some sort of error, right? Dominion says it was user error, okay? The, the, the folks who are alleging otherwise suggest that it was not, that it was systemic error, okay? In which 6,000 votes were shifted from the Democrats to the Republican. This was caught at the county level, and then it was reversed, Right. It was the, 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 the votes were shifted away from the Democrat and back to the Republican the way they should have been. The allegation on the part of Team Trump is that this has been happening all over the country. That should be able to be checked. Right. They were able to check it in Antrim County. You should be able to check it elsewhere. So that's good. Let's check it. Let's do all of those things. If we are to hear that there are irregularities in Georgia, let's check it. Let's make sure that it is all locked down. There have been allegations that the vote counts from Dominion are sent up north to Canada before they are certified. My understanding is that that's not the case, that usually these vote counts are certified and tabulated at the county level, which means that they are checkable and they are auditable. So let's do it. Let's check it. Let's audit it. Let's make sure this thing is squeaky clean or as clean as it is possible to make an election involving 150 million people. Okay, all of this process will move forward. But here's the thing. Folks on the left are suggesting that the mere fact that there is a process is the problem, right? Chuck Todd is out there suggesting that this is a, it's grim for our democracy. Grim, I'm tired of hearing from people who have threatened the institutions of our democracy for years. The Electoral College, the Senate of the United States, they've threatened the filibuster. They've threatened the integrity of votes. They've suggested that Stacey Abrams is still the governor of Georgia. They've suggested that Al Gore won the 2000 election. They've suggested that Donald Trump was not elected in 2016 for years and that it was all Russian manipulation. These same people are now great defenders of our democracy when they get a result that they like. Here's Chuck Todd. The president of the United States refuses to concede the election, claiming falsely that it was somehow stolen. His attorney general is currently encouraging investigations into voter fraud, despite a lack of evidence that any of his exists. His secretary of state is suggesting the president will be inaugurated for a second term. Perhaps he was kidding. The president has fired his defense secretary and is filling the defense department with loyalists, some of whom traffic in conspiracy theories. If this were happening anywhere else, our state department would be issuing grim reports about the future of that country's democracy. But that country is this country. It's happening here. Oh, shut up. 
I mean, seriously, shut up. It's it, no, I'm sorry. Trump is still the president until January. He can fire whoever he wants. He can put in place whoever he wants, so long as they don't require congressional approval. And then if he is not, in fact, elected by the Electoral College, he will be moved out of power in January. That's the way that the system works. The system is not broken. This idea that everything is at an end, that Trump is, again, this is a self-justifying narrative put forward by the left because the left has blown its credibility to smithereens over the past four years on the precipice, uh, on the principle that Donald Trump is an orange Hitler. And so they have to maintain that what he's doing right now is Hitlerian activity when, in effect, it will either be one of two things. Either he will end up being justified, right? Either he'll end up being justified and there will be massive voter fraud uncovered, or he won't be justified and then he'll be moved out. And those are the two options. There is no third option where he holds up in the Oval Office. This is actually leftist fantasy thinking, right? What they've been wanting for four years. I mean, they, they literally fantasized about this online. You can find them telling like these fan fiction stories of various figures ranging from Robert Mueller to the Marshal of the Supreme Court marching into the White House and frog marching out President Trump. Like none of that is going to happen. And none of that's going to happen. Either there will end up being a basis to what he's claiming or there will be no basis to what he is claiming. None of that is a threat to democracy. Okay, Stacey Abrams, she was, her continuing claims, they're bad, they're untrue. Are they a threat to democracy? No, she's not the actual acting governor of Georgia. So no, she's just a lady who wanders around telling people she's the governor of Georgia, which is no different than a person wandering around the streets of LA claiming to be Napoleon. Like, who cares? <laughs> and seriously, like, is it great that she doesn't? No, but it, is it a threat to the overall health of the democracy of America? Not that I can tell. Is it, is it like uh, what's really a threat to democracy is the fact that the media continue to purport to say that whenever a person they don't like loses, that it's voter fraud, voter suppression. And when somebody they like, they don't like wins, then uh, or when someone they like goes ahead and wins, then, of course, the, the, the process is pure and clean. But just file this one under everything I don't like is a threat to democracy. And th this is the way that the, the left thinks. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact and this holiday season, you're going to be using the mail a lot, given the fact that COVID is spiking and people are traveling less and there's, there's a lot of concern about being in person for various family events. You're going to be using the mail an awful lot. And this means that you don't want to be going to the post office. You want to just be able to send the mail from home. Well, go to stamps.com. They bring the post office and, and now UPS shipping directly to your computer. You can mail and ship anything from the convenience of your home or office. With stamps.com, anything you can do at the post office, you can do with just a few clips, clicks. Plus, stamps.com saves you money with deep discounts you can't even get at the post office. Here at Daily Wire, we've used stamps.com since 2017. No more wasting our time. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS directly to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices or an online seller fulfilling orders during this record-setting holiday season, even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your, once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It is indeed that simple. With stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp, up to 40% off priority mail, up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office. Instead, use my promo code to get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. My promo code is Shapiro. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in my last name, Shapiro. That's stamps.com. Enter Shapiro for the special deal, stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. We've been using stamps.com at Daily Wire for years. I've been using it personally. Check them out right now. Stamps.com, use code Shapiro. So again, the entire media narrative here is that everything I don't like is a threat to democracy. No, no, we have a process. It's gonna move. I don't know how many times I can say this. We have a process. It's going to move forward. Outstanding allegations require outstanding evidence. End of story. That's the whole thing. And then we'll find out. So have a little patience. But no, everything I don't like is a threat. To, so everything 
literally is a threat to democracy. Brian Stelter at CNN. He now suggests that if conservatives dump out of Twitter because Twitter is in fact biased against conservatives, which it clearly, clearly is, they in the lead up to the election, Twitter banned the New York Post for putting out a true story about Hunter Biden. So many members of the conservative community have been heading on over to Parler. Here is Brian Stelter suggesting it is a threat to democracy if conservatives join Parler, which is crazy. People are going more and more into their own echo chambers, more mm -hmm. and more into their own bubbles, especially Trump voters. There's this new social media app called Parler getting a lot of attention because conservatives are leaving, saying they're leaving Twitter and Facebook, going off to Parler because they believe Parler is a safer space for them. What we're seeing is even more of a bunker mentality in right wing media. And ultimately, that's not good for the country. No, it's, it's not good. It's a threat to democracy. It's a threat to democracy. Also, people siphoning themselves into particular silos. That's a threat to democracy, says the guy on CNN. The guy on CNN, which is a silo of left-wing thought. Is there a single Trump voter who works as an anchor at CNN? Or anyone who ever thought about voting for Trump working as an anchor at CNN? Of course not. I said that directly to Brian Seltzer just a few years ago. I was on his program. And he was like, you know, you formed your own, you formed your own company, Daily Wire. Why didn't you try to get in at CNN? I was like, you want to hire me, Brian? And of course, no. The answer is no. So now you're mad that conservatives are responding to complete left-wing dominance of media and social media by forming their own companies and their own corporations? Like, screw you, dude. I mean, you guys are the ones who threaten democracy. If by threat to democracy, you mean open discussions cannot happen. And then you're mad when we go elsewhere to have our conversations? Ridiculous. And, and, and demonstrating the full-on dishonesty that characterizes the left. Anna Navarro, the, the quote-unquote quote unquote Republican over at CNN, uh, she got very upset over the weekend because Mary Catherine Hamm talked about the fact that, you know, all of you people on CNN who are like going crazy over the fact that Trump won't concede the election, you're still calling Stacey Abrams the governor of Georgia. And Anna Navarro got super, super mad. Do we think if Trump did not concede, which would be, I think we can all agree, wrong, uh, that if he started an, an effective GOTV nonprofit, that we would all be giving him magazine covers and good coverage? No, I don't think that would be right. And yet it happens on the other side. And I think he sees that very clearly. I just don't think that there's a, a total comparison there. But let's move on because I don't want to make this, you know, President Trump versus Stacey Abrams. Okay, that, sorry, it's Anna Cabrera there. So Anna Cabrera of CNN saying there's no comparison there. Right, because you guys like Stacey Abrams is what that comes down to. Of course there's a comparison. You made her the face of your movement. You suggested she's a heroine of the Republic after she declared that she was governor of Georgia after losing by 50,000 votes, three times as many votes as Trump is currently trailing Joe Biden for in an election that didn't have nearly as many votes. Okay, like, what? What? So again, the rule for the left is anything I don't like is Hitler. Anything I don't like is a threat to democracy. We, we have no process. We're on the press. We're not on the precipice. It's okay. It's okay. But don't worry, guys. They are the unifying ones. And you can trust the Democrats. You can trust the left to be completely unifying. They're a unifying force in American life, right? So like, for example, Ilhan Omar, who once wrote a letter asking for clemency for, for terrorists because the United States system is so brutal and terrible who once suggested that 9-11 was a thing that happened. Ilhan Omar says that she's a she and the Democratic Party, she's not MSNBC, of course, they're a unifying force against darkness, the Democratic Party. As we will see, that unifying force against darkness involves people just looking the other way while BLM and Antifa thugs just assault people in the streets. Here is Ilhan Omar. We owe it to the movement to make sure that the chaos they voted against does not follow us to our caucus uh, and to make sure that the justice they seek is implemented in the policies that we advocate for. I know that uh, Biden um, invited 
the American people um, to be uh, a unifying force against darkness. Biden has been invited to be a unifying force against darkness. So much unity, so much unity. In fact, says the squad, the people who are really stoking the violence out there are people like Trump. It's people like Trump and people on the right who are stoking the violence. And so we're here to bring an end to the violence in the most peaceful and prosperous possible way, says the Honorable Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez D. Dancing. Here she goes. I already believe that uh, President Trump is already stoking um, the flames of violence, as he has done um, for several years. You know, we saw... We saw even with the with the ballot counts that were happening in Philadelphia, his rhetoric and his attacks on our institutions and our systems um, inspired, uh, very likely inspired um, a group of what seems like domestic terrorists to attempt to attack um, where ballots were being counted in Philadelphia. OK, again, like this. Don't worry, guys. The Democrats are all sweetness and light and everything they don't like is Hitler. Everything they don't like is violence. And by the way, if you do violence on behalf of the left, then they just completely ignore it. It just doesn't exist at all. So over the weekend, there was the so-called Million MAGA March. Okay? Tens of thousands of people showed up. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about shopping for insurance. So if you're a responsible human being, you need to make sure that you have life insurance. Right? You want to make sure that your dependents are covered if, God forbid, something should happen to you. But shopping for life insurance it can be difficult. How do you go about doing it? Do you just do it by word of mouth? You're not going to get the least expensive and most effective program. Instead, why not competitively shop the way you would for anything else? Shopping for life insurance at Policy Genius, they make it easy. They combine a cutting edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and money. Right now, you could save 50% or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for more than a decade, the savings really start to add up. Here's how it works. First, you head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip that in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. The best part is they work for you, not the insurance company. So if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll take care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. So if you need life insurance, head on over to policygenius.com right now to get started. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice and quite important to get it right. Go check them out right now at policygenius.com. Okay, so the narrative from the left, whatever Trump does is a threat to democracy. And also, he is stoking violence. So over the weekend, the so-called Million MAGA March took place in Washington, D.C. It did draw a very large crowd. They were saying tens of thousands of people, not hundreds of thousands, not millions, but also not hundreds. Politico said hundreds of people. It was not hundreds of people. It was tens of thousands of people. So CNN's Anna Cabrera is a great example of somebody in the news who only wants to talk about how people she doesn't like are bad, but everybody she likes is good, and we can't talk about those people, even if they're doing the exact same things as the people we don't like. Here's Anna Cabrera getting very offended when Mary Catherine Ham points out that Stacey Abrams is still going around claiming to be governor of Georgia. The president's supporters, they've poured into the streets of Washington this weekend to try to give life to these unfounded and baseless claims of a rigged election. I mean, we literally had far-right groups like the Proud Boys marching down Pennsylvania Avenue. This election is over. How did this become normal? Okay, so my, my favorite thing is that um, people on CNN are saying, how did these marches of people that we don't particularly like, how did that become normal? You, well, I mean, maybe one way that it became normal for marches of people that you don't like to, to happen is because this is the United States and lots of marches with people you disagree with happen in the United States. Also, you guys didn't seem to have a problem when people were burning and looting cities. You were declaring those were mostly peaceful. 
you were declaring that that was not a problem at all. I mean, we watched Kenosha burn for no reason at all. And you guys were like, well, you know, America is systemically racist. Okay, so President Trump drives by the million MAGA march on his way to golf. And here's a little bit of video of President Trump going by in his motorcade. Okay, so he, he went by, he, he went golfing on Sunday. Everybody was, was marching in the meanwhile in uh, Washington, D.C. But that wasn't the real story. The real story is that Antifa and BLM showed up and naturally violence ensued. This is the way that it usually works. Usually what happens here is that there is, a, there is some sort of Trump rally, some sort of Trump event, and then people from BLM and Antifa show up and then confrontation naturally ensues. Some of these confrontations are from sort of the most aggressive members of the Trump crowd and BLM Antifa. And sometimes it's just BLM and Antifa beating the hell out of innocent people, like people who are not confrontational in any way. Uh, here was some of the videos that, that, were, that were happening. And you can see that uh, there's a, this guy who's uh, getting in confrontations with members of Antifa and BLM. He's confronting a bunch of people and uh, he's, uh, he's hit in the back of the head uh, and knocked to the ground. Uh, and they steal his cell phone as well, people kicking him while he's down. So that, all sorts of wonderful things happening in Washington. You see there's a man walking, literally just walking with his MAGA hat, people jumping at him, uh, people assaulting him, uh, him just kind of standing there while people crowd around him to do violence to him. Very classy stuff happening in Washington, D.C. People were arrested, some 20 people were arrested. Apparently one person was stabbed in Washington, D.C. Also, uh, some Trump folks uh, were eating at a restaurant in Washington, D.C. And they didn't get the memo. You're not allowed to eat at a restaurant in Washington, D.C. unless you pay the, the tax to BLM. And so people started throwing fireworks at people at the restaurant. So that was solid stuff. You can see here are people just weren't up, and there they go. Somebody at BLM and Antifa just throwing fireworks at people inside a restaurant. Which is delightful. That's the good stuff happening here. Don't worry, guys. It's Trump's crowd that's violent. Trump's people are the violent people. This is what we've been told by the media. We've been told that it's Trump's people who are the violent ones, as opposed to, you know, BLM and Antifa showing up. So where was, where was Captain Healing in Unity? Seriously, where was Captain Healing in Unity? Joe Biden has spent the entire campaign avoiding condemning BLM, despite the fact that dozens of BLM quote-unquote protests have broken out into riots. He spent the entire campaign completely ignoring the fact that Antifa is a violent group, instead suggesting, you know, it's more of like a philosophy, like a generalized philosophy, which is a really cheap way of getting out of having to condemn the most radical members of your base. But radicalism is the theme among Democrats, right? The real battle right now is not happening between the right and the left. The real battle is supposedly happening inside the Democratic Party. I've been suggesting that there is no battle that a lot of what's happening inside the Democratic Party right now is a, is a shadow battle. That basically the only battle is whether Joe Biden and company can keep a lid on the simmering pot of discontent that is the Democratic base, or whether eventually they're just hijacked by that base. And you can see it happening in real time. Uh, I don't think that Joe Biden has the passion to actually contain that. I think there's a pressure cooker, the Democratic Party. And I think that Joe Biden and others have assumed that if you turn up the temperature on the pressure cooker, well, all that's going to do is cook the meat thoroughly. But eventually what ends up happening is the pressure cooker blows. And I think that, that that pressure cooker is not likely to remain in stasis for very long. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about the fact that America is an underdog story. America begins on the basis of underdogs overtaking the most mighty empire in the history of the world at the time. And America is a place where underdogs get ahead. It's a place where people can rise from the most abject poverty to the greatest levels of success. 
Barack Obama and Oprah Winfrey are great examples of this. Well, there is a, a great podcast that is now out called True Underdog. Raised in a trailer park with no clear path to success, kicked out of high school multiple times, faced with becoming a father in his teens, Jason Waller is the definition of a true underdog. After hearing the words no or you can't too many times, he unleashed the power within to start three successful companies with his most recent venture, Power Home Solar, skyrocketing on a path to becoming a billion-dollar enterprise. Join True Underdog Podcast. As Waller, a four-time entrepreneur of the year winner, shares motivational tips and inspiring stories, business building lessons from the ground up. He shares his life experiences and that of his high-profile guests to help others better themselves. As Waller will tell you, there's no elevator to success. That climb only happens one step at a time. Let every true underdog podcast be a step that elevates you learn from people who have overcome tremendous obstacles in order to create tremendous success. Learn about failure. Learn about entrepreneurship. Learn about never quitting or making excuses. It's real, raw, and motivational. Check out True Underdog Podcast at trueunderdog.com or anywhere you get your podcast. That's trueunderdog.com, trueunderdog.com to check out that podcast. Okay, in just a second, we'll talk about the simmering discontent within the Democratic Party, how Joe Biden has been attempting to contain it and use that power in his favor. It ain't going to work. We'll get to that momentarily. First, if you are not already disgusted by legacy media, you certainly should be. The media preemptively called the election in favor of Joe Biden like the night of. And now they are claiming that democracy is at stake because we have a legal process playing out. Just because you have members of the media saying it over and over and over, it doesn't mean that it's true. Sometimes it means that they are just catering to their own base. But you are not a member of their base. They hate you, right? CNN does not like anybody who even considered voting for President Trump. And the media are already gaslighting you. They've already shifted from demonizing Trump for four years and his supporters and calling them racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes to flattering Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and just massaging them. The dust hasn't even settled. We're already seeing all of these drooling stories about Joe Biden and his rescue dogs, and we'll get magazine covers of Jill Biden and her wardrobe. Well, if you're sick of the mainstream media, if you're sick of the establishment media, it's time to replace your cable and your news subscriptions with the Daily Wire. In fact, it's vital. It is vital, okay? Because the fact is that soon, these media outlets are gonna hijack social media to prevent you from seeing what you wanna see. You need to come subscribe over at Daily Wire. We have huge plans for the next four years. It starts today. Candace Owens, New York Times bestselling author, founder of the Blexit Foundation, is joining the Daily Wire. She'll be launching a brand new show with us early next year. We'll also be launching an entertainment channel, a new investigative journalism team, building partnerships with like-minded content creators like PragerU, whose entire show library will be available to dailywire.com members by the end of the year. We're going after legacy media. We're going to do it by building a huge membership base of supporters like you. Right now, just to show you that we are serious, we are offering 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, exclusive Reader's Pass content available only to Daily Wire members. If you're considering an all-access membership, you get to join us on All Access Live every night for live stream discussions with our hosts and an amazing online community. You also get not one, but two Leftist Tears tumblers with your membership, as well as early, sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So remember, that's 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Replace the legacy media. That's what we are doing. Do it over at Daily Wire. You will not regret it. Also, this weekend, we had another fantastic episode of our Sunday special with journalist, commentator, YouTuber, Tim Poole. It was a terrific episode. We talked about the propaganda war that is waging as establishment media refuse to cover the news. And as we wait for the results of the election, including the latest offenses from the legacy media and big tech and what the future may hold for a country under a new administration, make sure to give a listen on dailywire.com or wherever else you find your podcast. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Now, here's the thing. If you are a member of the left and you're suggesting that the right is violent and all of this, okay, what, what you're really suggesting when you say that Joe Biden is kept in peace and harmony and then he ignores Antifa and he ignores BLM and when you have the honorable right 
Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez suggesting that she is an emissary of healing, all the while fostering discontent at, at the system and suggesting that America is systemically racist. And the reality is that, that there is a battle that's going on. It's inside the Democratic Party, and it's to keep a lid on the bubbling waters of discontent inside the Democratic base. And it's not going to work. It's not going to work because the Democratic Party has already given ground to the very people who are going to tear it down. As I discussed last week, there's been a movement inside the Democratic Party since the 1960s to say the entire system needs to be torn down to the ground. And that system was largely that system of thought was largely disowned in the 1990s by Bill Clinton and sort of moderate Democrats. And then it came bubbling back to the surface in the form of Barack Obama, who suggested that the system was, in fact, unworthy and terrible. He was the only person who was worthy to actually shift the system. So if you didn't like him, then it's because you were very, very bad. But he was going to radically change the system and transform the nation. And then he left office and the system became fully bad again. The system was terrible. And that is sort of the going Democratic philosophy. So now if you have Joe Biden in place saying the system is not bad, we're going to heal all wounds using the system. Good luck with that. It's not going to work. This is why the Democratic Party is rife with radicalism, rife with people who want to tear down the system. A great example of this is Raphael Warnock. He is the person running for Senate in Georgia. Right? He is running against Kelly Loeffler. And he is a full-on Marxist radical. Okay? He makes no bones about this fact. Right? Here was Raphael Warnock. Again, this, this guy is the Democratic nominee. And you have Chuck Schumer pledging that if Raphael Warnock is elected to the Senate, he's going to transform the country. Okay, so this is not about a Democratic party that has decided to, to put a lid on the radicals in their party. This is about a Democratic party that, that believes that it can control the tiger, that it can ride the tiger. It can't. Okay, Raphael Warnock represents the heart and soul of the new Democratic party. And Chuck Schumer ain't keeping a lid on it, and neither is Nancy Pelosi. Right, here is Raphael Warnock. This is just not very long ago, suggesting that America must repent its worship of whiteness. This is the guy that Democrats decided should represent them in the, in the Senate seat of Georgia. This is in the, a sermon delivered shortly before the 2016 presidential election at the Candler School of Theology in Atlanta. And if it is true that a man who has dominated the news and poisoned the discussion for months needs to repent, then it is doubly true that a nation that can produce such a man and make his vitriol go viral needs to repent. No matter what happens next month, more than a third of the nation that would go along with this is reason to be afraid. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness. Anybody who doesn't vote, display. anybody who doesn't vote like Raphael Warnock wants them to vote is worshiping whiteness. And then he also preaches Marxism, right? Here was Raphael Warnock again, not particularly long ago, right? Talking about this sort of Marxist theory uh, of the world. He also calls Jesus a poor Palestinian prophet, which is just anti-Semitic nonsense. If by Palestinian, you mean that until very recently, the term Palestinian meant Jew, which is true. Historically speaking, the Jerusalem Post was called the Palestine Post. And it was called that because it was a British mandate, Palestine. Okay, the, the, the term Palestinian did not even exist in Jesus's day. Right? Jesus lived when the temple was still standing. It was known as Judea at the time. He was not a Palestinian prophet. Like, What in the world is this revisionist history that literally makes no sense? The term Palestine was come up with by the Romans when they, when they destroyed the temple and then dissipated the Jewish presence in the land of Israel. And to punish the Jews, they decided to name Palestina after the Jews' historical enemy, the Philistines, right, as a punishment to the Jews. It was known as Judea. I mean, as it talks about in the New Testament when Jesus was living. But here is this revisionist historical Marxist bullcrap from Raphael Warnock. This is the heart and soul of the Democratic Party now. I love this Pope. He said, well, I'm not a Marxist, but I know a few Marxists and they're pretty good people. So hard to discover and to hear an authentic vision and voice of authentic spirituality that gives voice to the least of these. That when it 
shows up people describe it as some strange ideology rather than the vision of that poor Palestinian prophet who said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay, um, Jesus was not a Marxist. I'm just going to point that out. Jesus was certainly not a Marxist. Right? Jesus did believe in, the, in, the, in private property existing. And when it says in the New Testament that the disciples held things in common, that is because they were a group, right? a small group of people who were holding their possessions in common, not because that was supposed to be a model for an entire society crammed down by the government. In any case, you don't even have to rebut this stupidity. That is who the Democratic Party has decided to trot forth, and they want that person to be a senator. It is amazing. You know, folks on the left, they'll talk about how you know, the right, they refuse to cleanse their own party. Okay, we are the party, the Republican Party, that refused to elect Roy Moore in Alabama and handed that seat to a Democrat because we didn't want somebody sitting in the Senate who is trolling the food court for 14-year-olds. Okay, we're the party that told Steve King to get lost and then replaced him. Kevin Feenstra is now going to fill that congressional seat. But the Democratic Party is fine with running people like Raphael Warnock. How radical is Raphael Warnock? Jake Tapper had him on CNN. And he asked him about the fact that he attended a, a speech by Fidel Castro in 1995. And Warnock would not answer, nor would he condemn Castro. I mean, this is pretty amazing stuff here. Do you understand why there are so many people who view Castro as a, as a murderous tyrant and, and not someone to be celebrated? I'll tell you what I understand. I understand why uh, Kelly Leffler is trying to change the subject. I get that this is a distraction, but do you understand why people would be appalled by anyone celebrating Fidel Castro? Well, absolutely, and, and I never have. Uh, what I am putting forward in this race is American values. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So just avoid that question right there. Also, by the way, it's not a distraction. Okay, that's called you running for Senate and people now vetting you. Right, that's what that is. But the Democratic Party refuses to acknowledge its own radicalism. So Nancy Pelosi, the radicalism of the Democratic Party, make no mistake, that's the reason why they almost lost the House. In an election where they were supposed to gain 10 seats, they nearly lost control of the House. So Nancy Pelosi was specifically asked about this. Do you accept any blame for the fact that your party experienced a flaming defeat in a year when they were supposed to walk away with this thing? I mean, if the ballots are certified and the election goes forward as currently counted, Joe Biden won 5 million more votes than Donald Trump, right? If that election ends up being certified the way that it currently stands in the vote count, and the Democrats lost 10 seats in that same election. That's nearly impossible to do. You know what you have to do in order to do that? You have to take the top of the Democratic Party and you have to make them a symbol of the squad. Nancy Pelosi not only refuses to accept the reality of that situation, she celebrates herself for having done it. Here is Nancy Pelosi, delusional lady. Mr. She says right there, if you missed it, I accept credit for holding the house. Okay, that's not an accomplishment, lady. You were expected to win an additional 10 seats in the House. You nearly lost control of the House. But this is the point. The Democrats are so enthralled to the radical base that they can't separate off from that radical base. So how radical is that radical base? Pretty damned radical. A few indicators of the direction in which the Democratic Party is moving. And I've said this all along. If the future of the country relies on the possibility of open, conversa open conversation, what that means is that the future of the country relies on traditional liberals rejecting the radical left in favor of conservatives. That doesn't mean they have to become conservative. But right now, let's say that you have conservatives who are in favor of open discussion. They are, right? I'll have an open discussion with anybody I have on people on the left all the time. And then there are people on the radical left and they will punish people for coming on my show. Right? They'll, they'll try to have them ousted from jobs. They will scream at them. They'll talk about how evil they are. And then you have traditional liberals. Traditional liberals, I would characterize as people who disagree with me on tax policy and on the role of government but agree with the basic old ACLU statement, the old ACLU paraphrase of Voltaire, 
that I may disagree with what you say, but I'll die for your right to say it. Okay, so liberals have to decide. Would they rather follow the policy utopia presented by the radical left, many of which, many of whose policies they agree with, or would they rather side with conservatives to preserve fundamental rights? Because that is the choice. The radical left doesn't believe in fundamental American rights. They just want the government, the, the government provided utopia that never is going to arrive. Liberals like a lot of the policy prescriptions of the radical left, but they presumably also want the fundamental rights of freedom of speech and freedom of the press and freedom of assembly actually maintained. And so now they are forced to the decision because the radical left doesn't like any of those things. So the question is which way they are going to go. And I think it's fairly obvious which way they are leaning. I don't think Joe Biden has the cojones to stand up to this. I don't think Joe Biden has the cojones to stand up to the radical left and say, listen, we should be still having open conversations with people on the right. I think that he's much more comfortable in Barack Obama's world of declaring everybody to his right a deplorable and a bad person. The Overton window should only include people who are mainstream liberals and or radical leftists, but never anybody who is slightly to the right of center. Okay, so if you believe that the bleeding edge of the Democratic Party is the radical left movement, which I think is pretty obvious at this point, then we should take a look at the sort of stuff they've been pushing. So here's a good example. Over the weekend, according to Mary Margaret Olihan reporting for The Daily Caller, a transgender professor at the University of California at Berkeley urged followers on Saturday to steal and burn a book detailing an investigation into transgenderism trends. Berkeley associate professor Grace Lavery tweeted Saturday, quote, since some people have misunderstood my tone and censorship is an important matter and as a public educator, I have a duty to be precise. Let me clarify. I do not advocate defacing library books. I do encourage followers to steal Abigail Schreier's book and burn it on a pyre. Please make sure you use a safe pyre and that you have an extinguisher on hand. Be safe when you are burning books. Remember, all you're doing is removing a commodity from circulation, much as one might destroy a contaminated crop or take action if a distributor failed to do so. And what is being discussed here? So Abigail Schreier wrote a book. Okay, the book, I've talked about it on the air. The book is quite good. And the book concerns the the bizarre phenomenon of rapid onset gender dysphoria. The book's called Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. She doesn't argue that if you're a fully grown adult and you want to have a transgender surgery, you shouldn't be able to. She argues that children should not be subjected to this sort of mutilation when they are not capable of making this sort of decision. Also, she points out a phenomenon that is now fairly well established in the scientific literature that you have a sort of a sort of pathological craze in which you will have a group of girls and one girl will decide that she is transgender and suddenly all the girls in the group will decide that they are transgender. This was first documented by a sociologist and, uh, and psychologist over at Brown and the results were so controversial that Brown tried to bury the study. So Abigail wrote a book on this. It is a, it is a very well-written and, and soberly argued book and you have a transgender professor at Berkeley saying, let's burn it. Let's burn it. Right? Lavery said, I don't think books are a special type of commodity. For example, the idea of burning a laptop doesn't seem to elicit the same moral horror, but it's the same principle, disposing of a copy, not the original. The horror seems to derive from the idea that a book represents unalienated labor, but of course, it doesn't. And then she says, if you think I was sincerely encouraging people to burn books, I suggest you look around and see how many books were actually burned. Either my words were ta weren't taken seriously because I was misunderstood, or they were meant not to be taken seriously. You can figure this out for yourselves. Uh, she uh, calls the title of Schreier's book fascist, and says the burning of the official text of the ruling class might well be considered an act of popular liberation, is what this uh, transgender person says. Professor at Berkeley, good stuff. Meanwhile, the ACLU, right? Remember that organization I mentioned a moment ago, the American Civil Liberties Union, is now suggesting the suppression of Abigail Schreier's book. So Abigail Schreier writes about this for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, apparently, Chase Strangio, the ACLU Deputy Director for Transgender Justice tweeted on Friday, quote, 
Abigail Schreier's book is a dangerous polemic with a goal of making people not trans. Well, I mean, presumably, according to Chase Strangio, there's no way to make people not trans, so how, why would that even be effective? I think of all the times and ways I was told my transness wasn't real and the daily toll it takes, we have to fight these ideas which are leading to the criminalization of trans life again. Then, stopping the circulation of these, this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. So this is now a lawyer for the ACLU, right? The deputy director for transgender justice at the American Civil Liberties Union saying stopping the circulation of a book is 100% a hill I will die on. Okay, this is amazing. And this is not, by the way, anything remotely out of bounds on college campuses, right? Stopping people from disseminating views you don't like is not remotely a thing. Uh, it's, not, it's not a big deal at all on college campuses. It's now not a big deal on the media either. And in social media, this is the problem. All of the institutions of our society are going to be militarized against material the left doesn't like, and liberals are not going to fight against it. How many liberals are going to stand up and say, you know what, we can't do this. You know what, it's more important that views I don't like are disseminated than that I get what I want. Are there going to be enough liberals to do that? Do you think Joe Biden's going to do that? Do you? And this is now bleeding over into supposedly neutral in, in, into fora, right? N neutral areas and neutral arenas that were supposed to allow all sorts of material. They're no longer neutral. Perfect example. Luke Rosiak, an investigative reporter, he tweeted out that MailChimp, okay, MailChimp is a, an email delivery service. It's used for group emails and it keeps track of, of you know, emails that are coming in. Let's say that you are a, a public action committee and you send out an email to people. You can see what your reception rate is and all that kind of stuff. Okay, they, they do group mails. MailChimp, apparently, according to Luke, a common email delivery service, has refused to provide service to the Northern Virginia Tea Party, citing that it violates their terms of agreement about quote-unquote potential misinformation. What, did they, what, what had the Northern Virginia Tea Party done? They'd attempted to notify members about a recount rally. Okay, so in other words, they are now going to make it so that you cannot even distribute email unless those emails are approved by the woke staffers at particular nonpartisan email servers. And this is going to be carried forward. You will see. Okay, we're experiencing this here at Daily Wire. I'll bring you more details on that later this week. But we have major services that are now saying they will not carry our podcast because presumably they don't like the contents of our podcast. Doesn't matter that we're not saying anything that is untrue. Doesn't matter that we're not saying anything illegal. We are now going to get supposedly neutral platforms that are militarized against conservatives. You're going to see this with credit cards, right? You're going to see credit card companies start to say that you're not able to use your credit card to charge a gun, for example. You're not going to be able to use your credit. There are already credit card companies, I believe, to do this. You're not going to be able to use your credit card or your bank account to pursue certain transactions. What you're going to end up with because of the left is two separate centers of commerce, one for conservatives and one for liberals. This is the direction in which the radical left is moving. And our media, which are supposed to be for free speech, our media, which are supposed to be for the free exchange of ideas, they are pushing this forward at every, in every available way. This is why Matt Iglesias, right? Matt was a guest on my program just a few weeks ago on the Sunday special. Matt Iglesias was a co-founder of Vox. He now left Vox to go work at Substack, right? To start his own Substack subscription service. Why? Because he said that even inside Vox, I mean, this is effectively what he said, inside Vox, people were attempting to censor his views. He's the co-founder of the company. This is the way this works now. So you should be afraid going forward. This is not a time of peace and healing from the Democratic Party. Joe Biden isn't going to stand in the trenches with people who are in favor of individual rights. He's going to stand right next to the people who want to shut down your individual rights in pursuit of his political goals. That is the way this is going to move. And it's going to get really ugly before it gets not ugly. We're going to end up with, with siloed audiences in virtually every area of American life. 
And this is promoted by the left. And the only people who could stand up to it are too weak-kneed or too or too wishy-washy about their own philosophy. Do they care more about individual rights or do they care more about the government utopia to actually stand up to people who are willing to pursue the government utopia at the cost of your individual rights? Okay, meanwhile, President Obama is on book tour and uh, he's doing his usual routine. One of the great irritating things about President Obama is that everything Barack Obama says about other people actually applies to Barack Obama. So Barack Obama uh, with Scott Pelley. And if you ever believed that the media were objective, all you would have to do is watch the way the media interview Barack Obama as opposed to how they interview President Trump, right? Every, quest, every question to President Trump is why he's such a bad, terrible, bad, orange, bad, terrible man. Every question to Barack Obama is whether they can lick his feet. Like, really, like, like Barack, can, can we please come over there and, and like, we need, please, please. Uh, it, it's, it's, really, it's, it's unbelievable stuff. So he was on with uh, Scott Pelley over at CBS News and, uh, and Barack Obama suggested that President Trump is an incipient dictator, which is weird because according to Barack Obama, he's gonna be out of office in two months. So what's the big deal? Here's Barack Obama, a man who centralized power in the executive branch like no president of my lifetime, declaring that his successor, who actually didn't centralize all that much power in the executive branch, is actually a dictator. There has been uh, this sense over the last several years that literally anything goes and is justified in order to get power. Uh, and uh, you know, that's not unique to the United States. There are strong men and dictators around the world who think that I can do anything to stay in power. Uh, I can kill people. I can throw them in jail. I can run phony elections. I can suppress journalists. Um, but that's not who we're supposed to be. Okay, the massive hypocrisy of this human being is almost beyond comprehension. We're going to suppress journalists. This guy had journalists arrested. This guy sicked his DOJ on the AP. Donald Trump has not suppressed journalists. John, Donald Trump made the journalism industry great again. Right? He's got millions of subscribers over the New York Times. He's the only thing saving the, the old establishment media. Right? That, uh, this guy suggesting that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. Captain, I'll drone anything I don't like overseas. Mister, I'll start a war in Libya without congressional approval. Captain, I'll just randomly by executive order, redefine all of America's immigration policy, even though I've acknowledged multiple times that I cannot. Mr. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. He says that Trump is, is a liar. That's the problem, is that Trump's dishonest. See, the thing about Barack Obama that's so irritating and, and what, what's so hilarious about Donald Trump's election in 2016 is that Donald Trump is just the bizarro world version of Barack Obama. Barack Obama liked to think of himself as genteel and conciliatory, and he is not. He's an overt, partisan, narcissistic jackass. Okay, when he looks across the aisle at Donald Trump, he sees all the things that he doesn't want to be, but actually is. So here is Barack Obama saying that, that President Trump, you know, says unserious things and he, he lies a lot. Barack Obama is a much smoother liar, which in many ways makes him much more dangerous than Trump. Uh, here he is, you know, maligning Trump's honesty, again, being an incredibly dishonest human being. Donald Trump often raises eyebrows when he says he's done more for black America and people of color. <laughs> yes, it does raise eyebrows. Yes. You are correct. What do you think when you hear that? Do you take that as an insult to you no, or I, I, the I work mean, I, that you've done? I, I think it's fair to say that there are many things he says that I do not take uh, personally or seriously, although I think they can often be destructive and harmful. Oh, yeah. And talk, talk to me about destructive and harmful language. Mr. The Cambridge police acted stupidly. America is filled with systemic racism. Everybody that I don't like is a bad person. In his memoirs, he tells the story about how he and Michelle Obama were watching the Tea Party on TV. And Michelle Obama turned off the TV and then angrily said something to him like, can you believe so many people are filled with hate? 
the Tea Party, which was about government spending. This guy declaring that his successor is polarizing and dishonest is honestly, it's pretty incredible. Barack Obama was the guy who divided the country, not Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't heal the country, but Barack Obama started this fight. Okay, and the Democratic Party continues along those lines. Any notion the Democratic Party is going to bring us all together is completely insane. The, the byproduct of this story that you'll see over the next couple of weeks as, as Barack Obama tries to sell, volume one of his memoir, which is 768 pages. Again, as I say, God didn't take so long in the five books of Moses. Hey, but this jerk, he's going he's gonna to be trotting this out. And the media are just going to be massaging him. They're going to get out the massage oils and really go to town. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Okay, meanwhile, they're going to simply malign anything Trump says. So the media coverage over the weekend was all about President Trump talking about vaccines. So great news, by the way, on the vaccine front. There are new vaccines that are being developed pretty much every week now. According to DailyWire.com, Ryan Saavedra reporting a new Moderna vaccine that was developed in conjunction with the Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed is nearly 95% effective, according to the company. According to CNBC, the analysis evaluated 95 confirmed COVID-19 infections among the trial's 30,000 participants. Moderna, which developed its vaccine in collaboration with the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said 90 cases of COVID-19 were observed in the placebo group versus five cases observed in the group that received its two-dose vaccine. That resulted in an estimated vaccine efficacy of 94.5%. The news came after the Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed awarded Moderna a $1.5 billion contract in August to ramp up manufacturing and deliver 100 million vaccine doses enough for 50 million people. By the way, the suggestion is that we may have as many as 35 million doses that are available by the end of the year of these various vaccines. We can start getting this into circulation. So over the weekend, Trump was asked, he did a presser on Friday about the vaccine. And he was asked about New York. And he said, listen, we'll, we'll send them the vaccine when they're ready. But we've been told by Andrew Cuomo, the governor over there, that he wants to bet the vaccine himself. So I'm just not going to send a bunch of vaccine to molder in the refrigerators and, and fall apart while he doesn't allow it to be approved for, for use. Here's what Trump had to say about vaccines. He doesn't trust the fact that it's this White House, this administration. So we won't be delivering it to New York until we have authorization to do so. And that pains me to say that. This is a very successful, amazing vaccine at 90 percent and more. But uh, so the governor, Governor Cuomo, will have to let us know when he's ready for it. Otherwise, we we can't we can't be delivering it to a state that won't be giving it to its people immediately. And I know many I know the people of New York very well. I know they want it. So the governor will let us know when he's ready. Okay, so that is not him threatening to withhold the vaccine. The entire media went, ran with the story that this was Trump threatening to withhold the vaccine from New York. That's not what he's saying. He says, you'll tell us when you're ready and we'll send you the vaccine. But we're not going to send you a vaccine to sit there in the freezers when it could be deployed elsewhere while you get your act together. Okay, but this is how the media treated Trump for four long years. Meanwhile, they just licked Obama for four years. They were just his dog licking his hand for four years. They'll go right back to that with Joe Biden. By the way, what's amazing about this is that this is not just a phenomenon that the American right has noticed. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, he actually came out and ripped into English language media. So Emmanuel Macron, he's from France, so we should respect it, according to the left, right? The, the French are always right. According to the New York Times, President Emmanuel Macron of France called Ben Smith on Thursday afternoon. He argued that the, the Anglo-American press has blamed France instead of those who committed a spate of murderous terrorist attacks that began with the beheading, beheading on October 16th of a teacher, Samuel Paty when a lesson on free speech had shown his class cartoons from the satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo mocking the prophet Muhammad. Macron said, when France was attacked five years ago, every nation in the world supported us. And when I see, in that context, several newspapers, which I believe are from countries that share our values, 
journalists who write in a country that is heir to the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, when I see them legitimizing this violence and saying the heart of the problem is that France is racist and Islamophobic, I say the founding principles have been lost. When even the French are noticing that the American press are screwed, I think it's fair to say that the American press are screwed and that they have jacked up the system. And the difference in their treatment of Barack Obama and Donald Trump is a, a perfectly obvious example of this. Okay, meanwhile, a couple of, of things that are worthy of note with regard to President Trump. So regardless of what happens in the next few weeks, Trump is setting the stage for an enshrinement of American global foreign policy uh, that is very different from what he inherited. Okay, so President Trump apparently is going to enact a series of hardline policies going after communist China during the final weeks of his administration, according to Ryan Saavedra at Daily Wire. Part of Trump's goal is to, quote, make it politically untenable for the Biden administration to change course on policies as China acts aggressively from India to Hong Kong to Taiwan, according to Axios. The National Security Council spokesperson, John Uliot, told Axios, quote, unless Beijing reverses course and becomes a responsible player on the global stage, future U.S. presidents will find it politically suicidal to reverse President Trump's historic actions. Apparently, they plan to take additional actions against Chinese companies and government entities for a variety of human rights violations and matters involving U.S. national security. This is all good news. Okay, that's something that should happen. Right? Trump has said before that China is a, a, global, a global opponent, and treating them that way and enshrining that for the future is a good thing. Meanwhile, in the Middle East, apparently news broke over the weekend that Abdullah Ahmed Abdullah, known as Abu Muhammad al-Masri, was actually shot by motorcycle-riding Israeli assassins on the streets of Tehran three months ago. The Iranian government covered it up. They suggested that he was just some sort of low-level Hezbollah guy killed by the Israelis, but it turns out he was the number two at al-Qaeda. He was the number two at al-Qaeda killed in Iran, which does give the lie to years of media coverage suggesting that the Iranians would never support, never support a terrorist group like al-Qaeda, which is Sunni, when it turns out that basically Iran will support whatever terrorist group targets the West. So he was killed about three months ago, and that was done at the behest of the Trump administration, another victory for the Trump administration. Now, regardless of what happens over the next few months, I think that it is worthwhile noting that the Trump administration on policy has been wildly successful, wildly, wildly successful. And the media's attempt to suggest that they've been unsuccessful rests entirely on COVID policy. That COVID policy, Operation Warp Speed particularly, has resulted in the development of COVID vaccines. And we were told for a long time that coronavirus vaccines were not a thing. Right? We've never been able to develop, for example, a vaccine against the common cold because it evolves too fast. Now we have not one but two COVID vaccines that are going to be rolled out in the coming months, both of which apparently are over 90% effective. Okay, so for all the talk about how, how Trump blew it on COVID, right? This is their big talking point. So Trump's Middle Eastern policy, good. His economic policy, good. His policy with regard to China, good. Right, so then they, the, the media felt, because, because they never wanted to cover anything good about Trump, they fell back on the COVID narrative. Well, there's only one problem. There is no good solution to COVID, right? The Biden team has no clue how to handle COVID. They were saying they have a, a magical plan. What's the magical plan? Well, one of their people, Michael Osterholm, who's on their advisory group, he said, maybe a four to six week lockdown. Other members of the Biden group, they're like, nah, that's a bad idea. So Atul Gawande, who's a member of the Biden advisory committee, he says, no, you know what? Actually, we don't need a nationwide shutdown. I'm getting the impression that maybe Biden never had a plan. And all of this was just a lie promulgated by the media to suggest that Donald Trump was the reason for COVID when in fact he was not, and nobody has a good plan. Here was Atul Gawande acknowledging there really is no plan here. 
we are not in support of a nationwide lockdown and believe there is not a scenario unless uh, there, there simply isn't a scenario because um, we can get this under control. The critical parts are understanding what we've learned since we did a nationwide lockdown in early April. And that is that you can have targeted measures uh, building on mask wearing to include widespread testing, can include uh, dialing up and down capacity restrictions. And those measures need to happen in a more localized basis. Okay, so again, there's no plan here. So some of them are suggesting lockdown. Some of them are suggesting no lockdown. They, they keep saying they're following the science. The Democrats, they're not following the science. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, he acknowledged that schools are not the problem in New York State and then said, I'm shutting them down anyway. Why? Well, who the hell knows? He just, because the incentives are shut things down so you don't get blamed politically. We're not seeing spread in the schools. You see a very low percentage of positivity in the schools. So why close the schools? If the schools aren't the problem, why do that to parents? They came up with an agreement uh, about the conditions uh, that would open the schools and what would close the schools. The agreement in New York City was just that. If the infection rate in New York City went above 3%, the schools closed. That was the agreement. Okay, so amazingly, he's saying the science doesn't say schools should close, but we had an agreement the schools should close, so the schools should close. These are the people who are saying they're following the science. These are the people who are saying the Trump administration completely blew it, despite the fact that Operation Warp Speed is going to develop vaccines for a coronavirus for the first time maybe in human history. Like, seriously, they're just unserious. And our media are unserious. And as I've been saying all along, I've been saying this for weeks now, if the election was rigged, it wasn't rigged in all likelihood in terms of actual voting. It was rigged by the media in advance by lying to you repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. The same people who are telling you there was no plan on COVID in the Democratic Party are out there partying. Gavin Newsom over the weekend apparently acknowledged that he went to a multi-family birthday dinner without any masks indoors. In a Saturday editorial, the Sacramento Bee board accused Newsom of engaging in layers of bad judgment, pointing to the exorbitant cost of the meal, hundreds of dollars per person, The event was a birthday dinner for an advisor who's a partner at a lobbying firm. Okay, so Gavin Newsom locks down the entire state of California, but he went to a birthday party for one of his political advisors with at least a dozen people from several different households. He has said this is not good. Meanwhile, congressional Democrats are holding new member dinners. But it's okay. Nancy Pelosi says that the dinners are very spaced and that the Capitol physician signed off on them. So it's good for you to never meet with anybody ever again, but Democrats are allowed to meet with anybody At all times, also, the science says don't shut the schools, but we're shutting the schools. But don't worry, this is all Trump's fault. The media were worth 10 points to Joe Biden in this last election, easily. We have to build an alternative, guys. We have to build an alternative. Now, it sounds self-serving, but you should. You should go subscribe to any service that provides you an alternative source of information because the people who you are supposed to trust as your unbiased sources of information, they do not exist. They are lying to you. Okay, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Nick Sheehan and Rebecca Doyle. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. 
Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. There is a crisis in Democrat land. The media has been lying and lying for four years, and now they don't understand why we won't believe them about the election. We'll talk about it all on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 